0: Hi, this is Jace from the Deep Waters Podcast. Uh, Thank you for tuning in today, but I wanted to let you guys know that we're going to be uh, talking about fasting today, and we know this is a sensitive subject for um, a lot of people out there that have struggled with um, body image and eating disorders and and all those kinds of things. So um, please feel free to not engage with this, um, and also please feel free to reach out if you do need help. Um, We have Uh, pastors and house church leaders that would love to meet with you and come alongside of you. So uh, know that that's what we have in store for today. It's going to be a really good podcast and know that we love you guys so much.
1: welcome to the Deep Waters podcast. We pray that
0: Christ is at the center and the beginning and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our discussions as we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God. May our hearts be drawn to unity and in all things may this shape us to look more like you Jesus. Amen.
1: I'll grab a mug of your favorite beverage and enjoy the Deep Waters podcast.
0: podcast number nine. That's kind of crazy. Is it already? Yeah. Wow.
1: Time flies. Next
0: podcast is 10. I don't let just, I'm like, what have, what have you been talking about
1: for nine hours? (laughs) Before you know, we'll be at like 50 and I'll be growing a beard. I know I'll have four (laughs) kids and it's just going to be crazy. Oh man. Well,
0: Hmm. welcome everybody. My name is Jace.
1: I'm Benjamin and we're so glad to have you with us. Yeah. This is just a beautiful
0: place to talk about God. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I realized in the past podcast every week, I say that I'm so excited for the topic. So I'm trying to refrain from saying that again, but it's just always a good time to hang out with Benjamin and, (laughs) and talk about God. So. I am looking forward to what we have today.
1: (laughs) I'm genuinely always excited. Yeah, it's redundant, but it's truthful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. (laughs) You
0: you realize I've never done a podcast before. I don't know if that's come across at all. I don't think so. I think we've been quite professional.
1: I hope at least moderately professional. (laughs) Moderately professional. I've noticed when listening back to myself that I pause way more in between my words than I realize. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of blank space. (laughs) So when I listen back, I think, oh my goodness, I speak so slowly. I didn't know that.
0: I like it. It's very relaxing to to listen to you talk. So I, and there are some, there are some speakers that talk way too fast that I have to slow down. Mm, So you're not one of those. Okay, good. I
1: appreciate that. And if you're listening to this podcast right now on two times speed, then maybe it sounds normal to you. I don't know. We should talk a little bit slower and lower so then we sound perfect at two times speed. (laughs) Hello.
0: All right. What are we talking about today, Jace? We are talking about fasting. We did a little intro into the two topics of fasting and feasting last week. Mm. So if you hadn't heard that, I would go listen, take a pause and go listen to that one first. Um, I don't, I don't think it's a big deal if you've ended up here by chance. So welcome. (laughs) We're glad to have you. Uh, Yeah. I'm Jace. This is Benjamin. This is the deep waters podcast. (laughs) And today we're going to really try to encapsulate fasting as a topic.
1: Yep. Yeah. I think currently in case you aren't aware while we're recording this podcast, we're in a 21 day mini season where we've been challenged to feast every day, feast on scripture, meaning read a bunch of the Bible every day. And then also feast as in celebrate the Lord's supper at the end of every day. And just celebrate that Jesus is in our midst. And when we started talking about this, Jace, there was this realization like, oh, I wonder if in order to really understand feasting, we have to do a little bit of diligence in the back end and talk about fasting Yeah, for a culture that probably doesn't know all that much about fasting to begin with. Exactly. I could be wrong. I don't, I don't know.
0: I don't think so. And yeah. I, I don't think we, like we kind of said at the end of last week's podcast, it's, I don't, when I think of feasting versus fasting, I think of fasting as something that's like very intentional, And, um, usually not as fun and you have to like take away things and we'll probably answer some of those questions Mm. in in just a little bit. Uh, but I feel like with feasting, it doesn't seem like there's as much intention around it. And so I think we want to really portray that both of these, um, activities, uh, rhythms, practices do take intention. You know, I don't, Mm. I don't want these 21 days to just be, a uh, time of <laughs> eat like normal and and pray at the end of your your meal, but really, yeah, feasting on the word, being intentional about that, and then taking a moment, like a a nice moment, to pause and reflect and pray as a family, and then take the Lord's
1: supper. Wow, which takes intention. That's really good. It's hard to fall into communion. Mm-hmm. And something that's uh, coming to my mind as you say that is, I. I maybe I haven't been living with as much intention in this discipline as I would like. And that's actually the case for me. I wish that I was doing a little bit more to celebrate the feasting season. Um, and if that's your case and you're listening to this, we don't want you to feel guilty. Oh yeah. Like, Oh, bummer, disappointed. I guess, um, the analogy that just came to my head is it's like you're listening to a concert, maybe from, outside the doors in the foyer of the concert hall. So the sound is kind of muted and you're not really up in the action and that shouldn't inspire guilt. It should inspire like, Oh, this is exciting. There's the music could be even better if I go through the doors, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If I really engage with this concert in its fullness. Um, so that's a good
0: analogy. I like that.
1: I, I, I like that because it doesn't inspire shame. Or disappointment. I hope it inspires excitement. Like, wow, if I lean into these discipline disciplines with more intention, Mm -hmm. there's more, you know, juice to squeeze out of these. That's just going to be life giving. That's so good. Hmm. That is
0: really good. Um, Should we talk with start with like some misconceptions about fasting? Is that a good place to start?
1: Oh, yeah. I like it. Uh, Yeah. Misconceptions about fasting. Like one thing that I, I hear a lot of people say when, uh, if we're in the Lent season or something, mm-hmm. people will say, oh, I'm fasting from social media. Yeah. Or I'm fasting from Netflix, Netflix. <laughs> that would be a good thing to, yeah. Yeah. To take out of your life potentially, mm-hmm. if you give a lot of yourself to it. Um, a, that's a common misconception because fasting according to church history and according to the Bible always deals with food. So, when you're taking Netflix out of your life, that's a great thing. Yeah. That's like a form of abstaining or abstinence, but it's not fasting according to the discipline. So if you wanted to get really particular, you shouldn't call giving up soda a fast Mm -hmm. or giving up social media or giving up purchasing new clothing on your favorite website. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. It's abstinence. Yeah. yeah, when it comes,
0: sorry to interrupt you, uh, with abstinence, is it like fasting in church history? Is it like all food, like for the whole time? Because I feel like now it's popular. Mm -hmm. Like for these 21 days that we've been called to as a church, I'm going to fast sugar or sugary foods, which is food. Is that
1: still just abstinence according to church history? I would say yes. According to church history and scripture, um, if you're just taking sugar, out of your diet, that's a diet. It's not a fast mm-hmm. and uh, uh, kind of counterculturally, I would say even the same exists for the Daniel fast. We call mm-hmm. it the Daniel fast. It's really just like a modified diet that is infused with scripture and worship. Yeah. Not a bad thing. Not a, and not a bad thing at all. Yeah. yeah if you're abstaining from Netflix yeah. or soda or sugar, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it can be a spiritual discipline, mm-hmm. but I think if we're speaking historically about what fasting means, it's good to do it accuracy and say that fasting is just something where you give up food period, or sometimes you give up food and water, which is like hardcore. I've never done that before. I am addicted to water. I
0: I've, you can ask my wife. There's been moments where I'll get a lot of gumption and decide to fast everything. And then by like 1 PM, I break the fast because I like bit off more than I can chew or Mm -hmm. just wasn't in the mental state or did it out of like all kinds of reasons. Um, I don't know if that's a good time to share that, but like (laughs) I have a hard time making it through the day without eating food. Like it's a hard thing.
1: That's a hard thing. Mm -hmm. And I think one place where there's grace in this is, You might be thinking, whoa, fasting, zero food or even zero food and water. That's really intense. Mm -hmm. Well, throughout church history and throughout the scriptures, there's no obvious strict timeline that that has to fall under, Mm -hmm. which is nice. So you could only fast for six hours and call it a fast as long as it meets the criteria of food not being involved and you're really giving your hunger to the Lord Mm -hmm. as a way to inspire your spirit to be open to the movement of the Lord. If I'm not mistaken, I think a common fast is like sun up to sundown
0: often in church
1: history or Jewish tradition. Yeah. You know, I've only learned about this more recently, Mm -hmm. but yeah, people talk about the 24 hour fast and that is common, Mm -hmm. but it's also been very common to just do the sun up to sundown fast. Mm -hmm. So more like a 12 hour fast where you eat in the morning before the sun rises. And then once the sun is up, you wouldn't eat anymore. Sometimes wouldn't drink at all mm-hmm. until the sun sets. That's what the early church for a really long time did for the 40-day period called Lent before uh-huh. Easter as a way to fast um, in remembrance of Jesus's time in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And then really, I think, to amplify the joy of Easter yeah, um, where you can eat at all times of the day.
0: I love that. That's really, I like that contrast and I'm like, it's that contrast that makes feasting beautiful. It does. Right. Like to bring it back around. It's like, man, the holy day of uh, Easter is like a celebration and we're going to feast on this day Mm. in celebration of the risen Christ. But there's a moment of yeah. Remembrance. I like that.
1: That's good. And on that note, right before Easter, um, it's been a tradition for a really long time that the whole church would fast on what's called Holy Saturday. Oh, wow. Have you heard of Holy Saturday? I'm assuming it's between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. <laughs> you got it. Okay. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, you know, I'm showing my Presbyterian colors. If you um, are familiar with the calendar, Holy Saturday is exactly that between wow. Good Friday and Easter Sunday mm-hmm. is it's the Saturday where you observe Jesus is dead. Wow. Like if you're trying to enter yourself in the story yeah, um, that's in between the death and the resurrection mm-hmm. where you mourn for a whole day, the death of Christ Wow. Um, which then in turn wake up Sunday morning mm-hmm. and the resurrection is yeah. true. Then the party's that much harder. You know, mm-hmm. how much f- fun is that feast and yeah. that celebration? Interesting. Mm.
0: Yeah. I've always, I've had a, a weird relationship with like, the yeah, those like this I've I, now that you've said that I've heard of a holy Saturday and I've actually spent it randomly just worked out. I spent a couple uh, holy weeks um, in Guatemala, which is like mm. super Catholic. Wow. And so they like have all these processions of just like Christ on the cross, Christ crucified and none of it. like they never get to the resurrection it feels like. Wow and really? it's like it's like v- it's very somber and like they oh. have kind of this funeral march kind of processional music that they go through the streets it's it's very pretty like just as like a human hmm. thing that humans do it's like very wild but Whoa. um yeah they really press into that like somberness and i don't know just knowing that he's resurrected it's hard for me to like get to that place
1: wow that reminds me of a tension i sometimes feel when i see a crucifix like you say, in a Catholic mm-hmm. church, I think about Catholic churches almost always have, uh, G- if you don't know what Jesus a crucifix on the is. cross, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. It's a big cross with some form of Jesus actually hanging on it, mm-hmm. like with hardly any clothes, like little loincloth and a crown of thorns and blood dripping down his side. It's like gory, yeah. you know? And I think, golly, why, why is that the center of our worship uh, symbolically in mm-hmm. this space? But... And you know, there's a, there's a whole conversation we could have there, but, um, I want to have some charity and thinking about those traditions and recognize, wow, what is something that they're doing that my tradition has lacked Mm -hmm. because I haven't emphasized the morning of Holy Saturday, for example. That's true. That's a really good, I like Mm -hmm. the way you said that about
0: giving charity.
1: Mm -hmm. That's really good. Um, but to zoom back a little bit to early church, if Mm -hmm. I can. Yeah, please do. The there's an early church document called the Didache. Have you ever heard of the Didache? I've never heard of the Didache. (laughs) Not something that a lot of people talk about. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know about it. Um, But church history claims that this document is something that was written by the 12 apostles in the early church after Jesus ascended into heaven. And it was kind of like an instruction manual of how to live a Christian life. So teachings on Christian living by the 12 apostles mm-hmm. is what the Didache supposedly yeah. is. Whether the 12 apostles actually wrote it, we, we can never know. Okay. But there's teaching in there about how you should pray and they tell you the Lord's prayer and they write it out um, with the words at the end. Um, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the mm-hmm. glory forever and ever.
0: Is that where that was added?
1: That was added by the early church. It wasn't added by Jesus in scripture. Interesting. It's not interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's in the Didache and other places. And then there, the Didache says you should pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day, every day. Wow. Every Christian ought to do that. That's an example of something that the Didache is telling you to do. It's like an instruction manual for Christian living. And within that, there is a bit that talks about fasting And you can tell they're kind of salty towards the Pharisees because it says, um, don't fast on the days that the hypocrites or the Pharisees fast. They fast on Mondays and Thursdays. Yeah, that's what it was. And so Christians in the early church were commanded to fast Wednesdays and Fridays, which, I mean, what's your first instinct when you hear that? Um.
0: Well, obviously the Pharisees have made Mondays and Thursdays very unholy days. So we are not going to fast then. And Wednesdays we wear pink, just like mean girls. That's what it, that's what it reminds me of. It just seems a little uh, pity. but that's funny. But on that side, but also it's like, oh, wow, we don't do that as a church now. Like the early church, like I mean, there's nothing that says, you know, or recommends we even fast twice a week.
1: Yeah. Currently. Whoa. I think the first time I heard that anybody ever fasted twice every single week, I thought, shoot, that's hardcore. I know. Like that's probably only for the really extreme legalistic people. <laughs> and then I discovered, well, the Pharisees were doing that, but so were all of the early church Christians.
0: Mm-hmm. It was just part of following
1: Christ. It was, yeah, it was assumed. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to this a little bit later, but Jesus teaches on fasting in Matthew chapter six, a section of the Sermon on the Mount and he talks about fasting in a similar way to how he talks about prayer because he just assumes that all of his followers are doing it. Hmm. Um, which I think it might be healthy for us to feel a little bit of conviction if we don't find ourselves in like a spiritual discipline of fasting yeah um, and if you listener like me, maybe you haven't fasted almost at all in your whole life. Um, fasting is something that I've just tried to implement more recently within the last couple of years mm-hmm. because of some teachings by a wonderful man named John Mark Comer, who has helped a lot in my personal spirituality and also in providing the content for this yeah. podcast. This is, yeah, very much shaped by the good old pastor, John Mark Comer. Mm-hmm. We love him. So John Mark, if you're listening, <laughs> we love you. <laughs> Uh, um, another episode of church history where the two day a week fast happens is with John Wesley. You've heard about John Wesley, Jace? Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: He's like the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Arch nemesis to Calvin, right? Or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. To John Calvin. I don't think that's actually true, but (laughs) that's how like they're in my Bible class in high school that was kind of. (laughs) <laughs> that's so funny said like that it's I've like these, heard it the two like trains that. of thought kind of a thing
1: <laughs> i like that uh
0: it, that's probably a bad introduction i probably just took that off the rails yeah, john wesley's rad and so is john calvin
1: both uh i would really admire both john wesley and john calvin they yeah. did a lot for the church but both have the first name of john so you have to mm-hmm. like yeah, maybe there's a rivalry there. I didn't. I even know Or just a about. way to remember them. I'm not <laughs> sure why I had that. That was my immediate go-to. But yeah, if you listener hear John Wesley or John Calvin and think negative thoughts, I would challenge you to not think negative thoughts first, because both of these men have been incredible uh, witnesses to Christ. Um, though they're neither of them are perfect, mm-hmm. just like all the rest of us humans. You know, we're trying yeah. our best. Um, but John Wesley, Benjamin's pretty close to perfect. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. listener to Take as, note. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> just trying to be as perfect as Jace. John Benjamin. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so John Wesley, one of the greatest leaders in church history, probably ever. He wasn't just a theologian. He was a pastor. He was an evangelist. He was a prophet. Wow. He was a teacher. I mean, I yeah, I mean, honestly, he felt pretty fivefold. <laughs> yeah. If we want to go down, I don't know how he would how he would engage with that conversation today, but he was a mover and a shaker, a fire starter that was a huge conduit through which the Lord brought the first great awakening wow. in England and in the God. Eastern States of the U S the English speaking world was changed forever by John Wesley through, I mean by the Lord through John Wesley. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I found this really fun quote because of John Mark Comer, he pointed it out. Um, where John Wesley was a part of this movement called the Methodist movement within the church of England, where all these Christians were trying to um, awaken their faith. They -hmm. didn't want it to be legalistic or ritualistic, or in our words, they didn't want it to be religious. Mm -hmm. They wanted to really come back to the scriptures and live like Jesus asked us to live. (laughs) And so, Um, he brings up fasting in this portion of a sermon that he preached. He brings up that the early church fasted every Wednesday and Friday. And he said, let me see where in this quote do I want to start? So, so they were by the Methodists for several years, meaning so the Methodists were also fasting every Wednesday and Friday by them all without any exception. Which is amazing, John yeah. Wesley's there claiming that every person who identified as a Methodist was fasting twice a week. Um, also, just to clarify, those fasts are just t- either twelve or twenty-four hour fasts. Mm-hmm. It's not it, not anything longer than that. But afterwards, some in London carried this to excess and fasted so as to impair their health. They were fasting a little bit too hard, and they were hurting their bodies. <laughs> Um, It was not long before others made this a pretense for not fasting at all. And I fear there are now thousands of Methodists (laughs) so-called, both in England and Ireland, who, following the same bad example, have entirely left off fasting, who are so far from fasting twice in the week, as all the stricter Pharisees did, that they do not fast twice in the month. Yay. Are there not some of you who do not fast one day from the beginning of the year to the end? But what excuse can there be for this? (laughs) sounds kind of hardcore. He says at the very end of this quote, um, for those who profess to believe in scripture to be the word of God, then according to that word of God, the man that never fasts is no more in the way to heaven than the man that never prays. Shoot. Yeah. yeah. What are your reactions to that? Chase? <laughs> Cause I, th- th- that makes me feel like I'm not on my way to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is,
0: that is, I feel like my immediate interpretation, um, and I feel like, I i mean, I've gotten to this point where I do so poorly at fasting that I've kind of just given up on it if I'm being honest. Huh. So I'm like, Oh, I've like, I were like, you know, I'll try a Daniel fast for what, or Daniel diet for like <laughs> two weeks and then get sick. And I'm like, Oh, it's not for me, you know, but <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this is, uh, um, <clears throat> sorry, John, you're talking right to me
1: <laughs> a little bit. And I I don't think that conviction is all a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I think it's important to recognize Jesus never commands us to fast. Yeah. Uh, At least anywhere in scripture that I've been aware of. (laughs) So there's, there's grace here. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, salvation through the grace of Jesus Christ. And when you fast hard Mm -hmm. enough. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's still, it goes back to the
0: concert thing. It's like, Yeah, you don't have to go to the concert, but it's just going to be better if you go to the concert. If you go inside the doors and listen to the concert Mm -hmm. fully, you're going to like to extend that. You're like, if you fast, you might be more in tune with the Holy Spirit and what the Lord's Mm. speaking to you. You might be more in tune with your own like desires and those kinds of things. Whoa. So it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like you don't have to, but you're probably going to be better off for it.
1: Well, with that, I think we should, that's a perfect bridge into why we fast. Yeah, let's get into it. John Mark also coined three bullet points Mm -hmm. for why we would fast. He says the first one is to starve the flesh and to nourish the spirit. And that's not just John Mark's words. That's something that the church has been saying as long as the church has been on earth.
0: Um, I feel like, do you ever feel like you need to starve your flesh and feed your spirit more?
1: (laughs) (laughs) If I'm honest with you, no. Mm -hmm. Until I start to fast. Oh, wow. Because I think when I'm not... Starving my flesh, my flesh can make me feel numb to its effects on me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Totally. What do you also... Like, what do you mean
0: by the flesh? Let's maybe get into that <sighs> before we go too far.
1: That's good. Um, I'm. What I'm not saying is just my body. Mm-hmm. My, my body is a beautiful thing created by God. And we believe that the, the body and the physical is... It's a wonderful gift from God. Mm-hmm. The flesh is a metaphor that Paul uses to talk about the part of us that has become corrupt and needs to be cut away. And in fact, not to get too weird, but the flesh is in Paul's words connected to the foreskin and circumcision metaphors. It got weird. It got weird. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sorry. listener. no, it's okay.
0: I'm just a sixth grader. So please go ahead. Where were you? Um, circumcision?
1: Yeah, circumcision was where I was. Uh, <laughs> so that's like this the flesh that's being cut away mm-hmm. to identify a man in that case um, with the people of God. Like there's a sanctified covenant that's being made mm-hmm. in circumcision when that flesh is cut away. Uh, so anyway, Paul connects those ideas to say that the flesh within us is like our disordered desires. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the things that are good inside of us that have been twisted and manipulated in a bad direction. Yeah. So it's not that the things are bad themselves. Like my desires aren't bad, but my desires are out of order mm-hmm. They're out of alignment. They've been twisted and that's the flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're manipulated by the world or the, Satan, yeah. um, it's typically our flesh that is being manipulated and then we become slaves to the desires of the flesh.
0: I mean, just to flush this out a little bit, is it kind of like if, you know, there's, I have this desire to grow closer to God, but I've also developed a desire to find rest in scrolling on my phone, Hmm. you know? And sometimes where I know That like I'll come home after a tired day and I'm all I want to do is rest and veg out. But I choose not to do that with Christ in meditation or reading, but with scrolling on my phone or eating something satisfying. And so it's like those things aren't bad in themselves. But the fact that I did them out
1: of order before Christ Hmm. would make them a disordered desire. Yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly right. Like there's something inside of you that wants to be satisfied and the flesh says, oh, what's going to satisfy that is Sour Patch Kids. When in reality, Sour Patch Kids are just a gift from God, (laughs) (laughs) but they're not meant to satisfy like a deeper longing in our spirit or our heart if we're discontent or Mm -hmm. something. I don't know if that's a good example. And I don't know if Sour Patches are really a gift from God. I mean, they're probably just horrible for our bodies. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, They're so tasty. They're they're delicious. Uh, Um, so yeah, I think that paints a good enough picture Mm -hmm. of the flesh. No, I that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think what uh what Jesus, what Mm. Pharisees and Jews before him and Christians since his resurrection have all observed is that when you fast, um the longings of your flesh become weaker. Like Which sounds ironic, doesn't it? Like Mm -hmm. it sounds a little backwards. You'd think, oh, if I'm going to stop eating, my tummy's going to growl and my hunger is just going to be amplified. Yeah. Which that's very true. Mm -hmm. If you've never fasted, it hurts. Mm -hmm. Hunger is painful. Um, But there's something about that experience that weakens your flesh's ability to manipulate your actions. And I think... Empowers your spirit to thrive as the ruler over your being. Did that make sense? Yeah, no, that was really good. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's what it means in essence to starve the flesh and feed the spirit. And maybe I'll just uh, hop into a couple Bible examples. Yeah, for sure. So, with the fall at the very beginning of the Bible, um, you see, I think this is interesting, whether you interpret Genesis. One, two, three, four, (laughs) those chapters. (laughs) I'm just going to start counting. (laughs) Uh, If you interpret those chapters as literal or metaphorical, either way, this is really significant that Adam and Eve are tempted in the garden by fruit. Mm -hmm. They have an appetite to eat something. Um, There's a desire within them that wants to be satisfied, and they can't, they don't have the self control to abstain from what God told them not to touch. Hmm. Maybe that's really obvious, but I think flushing it out like that is helpful for me to realize like, oh, self-control is involved in the fall and self-control is involved in my life all the time. Whether it's with a really delicious looking cheesecake that I would love to eat all of or Instagram feeding me reels that it knows I'm going to love. And then realizing that my time has just zipped away Mm -hmm. or even like I have a desire sometimes to speak less than honorably about people behind their back. And that desire, it's like an itch that wants to get scratched, you know? Um, and I don't always have the self control to hold myself back from giving into that desire. Yeah. That's the flesh winning in those scenarios. Wow. I've never looked at the fall in
0: yeah thinking about fasting like mm. that that's really interesting but Isn't it's it? yeah it's like completely in line with why fasting would become a practice over the millennia you know huh it's yeah. like that's like the origin story
1: of our disordered desires exactly and then the the cool jesus link to that is when jesus goes into the wilderness uh, in Luke chapter four and in Matthew, excuse me, in Matthew chapter four, um, it says in Matthew that he was led into the wilderness by the spirit to be tempted by the devil, which is another podcast in of itself. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah. Why would the spirit lead him into temptation? Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever is happening there, Jesus goes to fast for 40 days. Um, doesn't need anything just hanging out in the desert. Would have been absurd, (laughs) you know, (laughs) how hungry he would have been. Uh, I learned that there are only three times in the Bible that people fasted for 40 days. Jesus is one. Elijah was one. And Moses. Wow. Kind of interesting. Like the one that symbolizes all the law, Moses, and the one that symbolizes all the prophets. And then the one who fulfills the law and the prophets, Jesus. All fasted for forty days. Wow,
0: that's amazing. Were they the three that were on the Mount of Transfiguration as well? Yeah, they were. Wow,
1: that's cool. So Very cool. There's a, and yeah, that's told to us in the Gospels, just like this story is. Oh, so that's um, I think a link that we're trying to pick up that mm-hmm. the authors are trying to get us to pick up. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Is that fun? Mm-hmm. So anyway, do with that what you will. But Jesus is in the wilderness and he's wicked hungry. And then Satan comes and starts tempting him. And the first temptation is turn these stones into bread. You know you're hungry. Yeah. So Satan starts to tempt him with food. Satisfy your physical desires. Mm -hmm. And then the other temptations are about power and glory. It's like prove to everyone that you're the son of God. Mm -hmm. If you are, prove it. You know, and we could unpack that for a really long time. But the point I'd like to make is simply this Jesus fasted for 40 days before this grand temptation. He, if we're following the rubric of starving the flesh to feed the spirit, Jesus was at the height of spiritual strength hmm. going into these temptations. Yeah. He had prepared himself to abstain from these temptations. Um, and fasting was a part of how he chose to enter into that test to make sure that he was ready and capable of doing it. Mm -hmm. Is that interesting? I haven't framed it quite like that before. And also this is one of the first things that Jesus does to, to launch his ministry. Mm -hmm. He launches his ministry out of a place of fasting and then passing a test that no human before him had ever passed. Wow. That's really cool. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So there's the fulfillment and fasting is involved in the fulfillment of this test of self-control. And then again, um, a couple chapters later when Jesus is preaching in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter six, Jesus brings up prayer fasting and giving to the poor as three of the most essential disciplines.
0: Hmm.
1: And, um, this is the part where we typically get some kind of funny church culture around fasting. Like, I don't know if you feel this way, Jace, but sometimes when I fast, I feel like I can't tell anyone. Like I have to be super secretive about it Mm -hmm. because Jesus told me to still dress nice and not to complain and to put oil on my head. I think his words were, Mm -hmm. um, and Jesus point there. I think it's important that we recognize Jesus point. There wasn't to say, hide your fast and don't tell anybody just because you should never tell anyone when you fast. Mm -hmm. The the heart of his message was don't be boastful about your spirituality. Yeah. If you're self-righteous by the way you pray, by the way you fast, by the way you give to the poor, then Mm -hmm. you're missing the heartbeat of the discipline.
0: That makes sense. Cause I do feel like it's like this secretive thing is how I feel like I remember being it taught, you know, it's like, fast but don't tell anyone you're fasting you know (laughs) it's like well the whole church is doing a 21 day fast well it's like well you're the only one you know (laughs) well you can't talk about it with each other then yeah (laughs) Yeah. the first rule of fasting is don't talk about fasting
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly Uh, so that's kind of what it's become Mm -hmm. just kind of funny yeah but anyway i I think it's healthy that we talk about fasting as long as we're not being Mm -hmm. self-righteous totally um I
0: I mean, it's already, we're not even through this, even through this first podcast, but I'm, I really want to fast more already. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I think the, the argument has been laid out and it seems pretty clear. This is going to be very good for me. Isn't that fun? Yeah.
1: It's kind of cool. That's good. I hope that that's the case. I was feeling the same way in preparing some of these notes for today. Um, I like to think of fasting, like lifting weights. Mm hmm. And I didn't really know to anticipate this before I started fasting, um, in the spirit of transparency, but hopefully not being self-righteous. I'll just say that I have fasted once a week, most weeks for Mm -hmm. the last two years or so. Yeah. Um, just a 24 hour fast, sometimes 20 hour. Sometimes I have an early dinner. (laughs) Yeah. Don't hate
0: me. Sometimes like (laughs) last week I broke his fast and by inviting him to lunch. So it's like...
1: (laughs) Which was a great lunch, by the way. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Falafel burger blew my mind. Mm. But it feels like lifting weights. I didn't know that I um, would have stronger self-control as a result of fasting. Wow. And what I mean by that was things that felt like temptations I had a harder time abstaining from. Once I started fasting just once a week. Then all week long, I felt more capable of saying no to every temptation that came my way, whether it had to do with food or anything else. Yeah. Um, That was fascinating to observe in myself. Like I didn't even look for that. It just kind of bubbled up out of me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say it's like lifting weights because you'll notice if you fast and if you're like me, you'll probably get hangry or impatient yeah. or you'll start to feel grouchy. Mm-hmm. You know, I get mentally foggy in the afternoon mm-hmm. if I don't
0: eat. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard. Cause then I just get frustrated and
1: yeah. And you think, man, I just want to eat and I'm like angry at people in traffic and, ah. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> and, ah, that's the best way I could describe that feeling. Mm-hmm. But imagine that you learn how to be peaceful in rush hour traffic while fasting yeah you're learning how to do a harder thing now be peaceful in rush hour traffic while not fasting no problem Mm -hmm. oh all of a sudden my anger doesn't well up as much throughout the week because i'm learning how to how to calm my anger down while fasting um does that make sense yeah that's so cool i i that's my experience that's my testimony with fasting at least So anyway, I I would recommend if anybody listening to this podcast is strong, struggling with any kind of sin habit that they've worked for a long time to break, um, don't think of fasting like a formula or like you need to strive your way into purity through fasting. Um, uh, it's again, this isn't about self-righteousness or striving, but I think there is a gift to be realized in fasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe try it, try the discipline. Absolutely.
0: I mean, last mm-hmm. week you even talked about um, like Greek philosophers realizing that this works for their, their yes. own vices and stuff. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like I even, yeah, I'm mean, like, it just, I think it just is a tool that mm-hmm. we can use as well as a beautiful
1: spiritual practice. It's good. Yeah. I I'm not a brain scientist, but I think there are, is science behind what happens to our brain chemicals when we're fasting mm-hmm. that actually starts to sharpen our minds. That's amazing. Over
0: enough time. Well, as a brain scientist, I can
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're not even called brain scientists. I, know. I don't think neurologists Neurologist <laughs> probably. <laughs> um,
0: but I really want to be a brain scientist on my business card now. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That was wonderful.
1: <clears throat> that's great. Okay, so that that's kind of the starve the flesh and feed the spirit bit. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll just say in case I didn't make this abundantly clear already that fasting isn't just not eating food. You have to be praying through the midst of it. And every time you get hungry, use your hunger as a prompt to drive you into prayer. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the fast isn't really gonna do anything for you. So one thing I've gotten in the habit of doing in fasting is when I'm breaking my fast, I thank the Lord for the gift of hunger. And originally, I think I would have asked myself, what Why are you thanking yourself for hunger? Hunger is a terrible thing. Well, not in the framework of fasting. In the framework of fasting, hunger is what drives you to the presence of God. Mm. It drives you to awareness. It's like a natural alarm clock
0: or a reminder set on your phone to mm. pray.
1: That's good. Yep.
0: As your biological process goes through, and it's like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And you're like, oh, I'll pray about that. I'll pray pray mm. into that more, you know? I feel like I, there's been times where I've chosen to fast for a reason. Like, you know, I hear of you know, some terrible news around the world and like, I'll pray and fast for a people group or, mm. you know, something like that. And, but it's just like a way to also remind myself to pray because I, you know, wow. life gets busy and, or, a, you know, a friend gets sick and I'll fast and pray. And, um, is that, is that a common thing throughout church history too? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's not just like something that we've made up recently. <laughs> <laughs> no. It seems like prayer and fasting are always talked about right together.
1: They really are, aren't they? If you're talking about fasting, you can't avoid talking about prayer mm-hmm. or else fasting isn't actually happening. Um, and Do you so feel like the,
0: re- the reverse could be a little true for prayer? Mm, interesting. Like, you know how John John Wesley was like, "That's just as important as prayer. Like, what if? Wow. what if fasting somehow affects our prayer life in a way that prayer affects fasting i wonder that's more just like a shower thought yeah <laughs> that's a shower <laughs> thought. that's not like uh I mean, we're not going to get into that but i'm like uh, you, everyone can munch on that get yeah. back to us
1: <laughs> i think uh, just my initial thought is i don't think you can fast without prayer mm-hmm. but i believe you can pray without fasting yeah. You know? Because
0: God listens to us.
1: Because God listens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even no, the there, yeah,
0: the, the Bible doesn't say, I only listen to you if you fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do tell my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm a nice person. I, <laughs> just, I promise. <laughs> that was promise. just a joke. I a nice person. <laughs> I've been in a jokey <laughs> mood today.
1: <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, but anyway, that being said, yes. Yeah, so the first point is to starve the flesh and feed the spirit. The second point is we fast to pray. So... Um there are a bunch of different kinds of prayers that we see throughout scripture. This mm-hmm. isn't just church history. It definitely is church history also, but I'm going to bring up um verses throughout scripture. Please do. Rapid fire? Yeah. John Mark in his work on fasting talks about five different ways that people pray during fasting um in the scriptures. The first one is prayers of repentance. Um So you see like all of Israel has gone wayward and started worshiping idols. And then Samuel in the book of Samuel chapter seven, the prophet Samuel comes to them and says, wow, you've done a terrible thing by worshiping other gods. Mm -hmm. The Philistines are coming and they're going to destroy you unless you repent. And all of Israel communally repents and they start to fast as a sign of their repentance. So there's like a physical mourning Mm -hmm. um, that demonstrates how contrite their hearts are. Wow. Uh, Interesting.
0: Yeah. And I, I think I've heard that, I mean, just in the research of this, like prayer fasting as repentance feels legalistic to me right off the bat. Wow. Yeah. It's like, yeah, do this and you can do this and you'll, it'll be okay. Kind of a thing. Mm. But it's now like just in the, the um with all this in front of me <laughs> yeah. um the context of all this it's like this is just reordering your disordered desires too wow. you know you've gone away yeah. come back to me and fa- it's like it makes sense that fasting would be in this
1: wow that's kind of cool i just yeah, that was that just a cool. i thought like oh yeah that's that makes sense that's that's beautiful i'm glad that the context of fasting does that because I could also see how it would sound legalistic Mm -hmm. or even like masochistic. Like Mm -hmm. why would you hurt yourself? That sounds terrible. Yeah. What's wrong? Um,
0: like I've done something wrong. I have to be miserable.
1: Yeah. Like I have to beat myself Mm -hmm. like Martin Luther. I don't know if you know much about Martin Luther's life, but he was famous for feeling so guilty of his sin that he would whip himself. Monks would do that. Wow. He wasn't the only one. Um, like they like actually really hurt their bodies as a way of um, disciplining the flesh, and that I would say definitely veers <laughs> in the like extreme end of yeah. like not okay. But um, there is something that they are seeing that we probably miss when, like at least in Protestant traditions, we don't even really observe confession. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, if I sin, my confession just looks like saying to God inside my head, Hey God, you see that I just sinned. Sorry about that. Like I'll try not to do it again. Mm -hmm. How much more power would confession hold in our journey toward repentance and toward purity? If we shared with one another what we were confessing and if we even starved the flesh for a little while to remind ourselves of the morning that is connected with our sin. And then when we start to eat after that fast, we can celebrate that we're purified Mm -hmm. in Jesus. Wow. That is Mm. really pretty. Like a really beautiful practice. It's not pretty. Yeah. I really like that. I like the word pretty. It's like Psalm 51. David says, um, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you do not despise. That was right after he committed that terrible sin where he slept with his friend's wife and then killed his friend. (laughs) Yeah. Um, If you don't know the story of David and Bathsheba. Yeah. Doozy. Yeah. So he should feel contrite about that. Like that was messed up. And um, yeah, I think we have some wisdom probably to learn in that uh, John Calvin coined these words. Speaking of the Johns. (laughs) (laughs) coined these words that in repentance, there is a step of mortification, which comes from the same word like death, Mm -hmm. mortified, mortification, and then vivification, which is a fun word to say. That means like coming back to life. Oh, wow. Like in every repentance, there is a death and a rebirth. And that rebirth isn't really a rebirth if it isn't dying first.
0: Wow. Yeah, that is something I feel like we've lost in... I mean, not all of Protestantism, but definitely the veins of the church that I've grown up in. It's just, Mm. it's, yeah, it's a lot more focused on how to just not feel like you have a broken heart because God's going to comfort you. Mm. But there's times when we've done our, done wrong ourselves and it's okay to kind of sit in that. Mm. And it is probably for the better in the future that you've like sat with that and fasted and, and mourned what you've done so that moving forward, it's more impactful.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And your forgiveness feels real. Yeah. And not that you weren't forgiven beforehand. Yeah.
0: Or like by doing this, you're more forgiven than if you didn't, you know, like right. that's not what we're saying at all.
1: Right. I'm glad you said that. That's mm-hmm. key. You are absolutely forgiven by the blood of Christ. Whether you fast or not doesn't change that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it, helps you to realize it more if we want to overcome
0: our fleshly desires and our disordered desires. I mean, I could even say quicker, you know, in your life, you know, and become Mm. more sanctified and more like Christ. It's going to take effort. Yeah. And this is that effort
1: in that sense. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's holy. I Mm -hmm. don't think that's legalistic. Totally. Um, just really quick, there are other times like King Ahab, one of the worst kings in all of the Bible, <laughs> fasts and prays, tears his clothes, starts to wear burlap, which is just a weird thing that people did <laughs> back then when they were mourning. And even though he was such a horrible king, the Lord says, I will not destroy you in your generation wow. because of his repentance and fasting is a part of his repentance. Also in the... The ritual, the day of celebration of the Day of Atonement. It's not really a celebration. I called it a feast day last week, mm-hmm. and that wasn't right either. Uh, like it's a Jewish holiday. Yeah, holiday is probably a good word for it. It is a holy day. It's a mm-hmm. day set apart. Um, you can read about it in Leviticus 23, where everybody fasts for the whole day in Israel, um, and also they don't work so it's a sabbath and a fast day um and the whole day all you do is mourn and repent for the nation's sins from the past year wow isn't that wild that's so wild and then you know the the thing with the goats happen and like one is killed and one is sent in the wilderness the scapegoat and then the the nation is forgiven and then you mm. celebrate and move on until you have to do it again next year. It's as a ritual of reminding you that sin has to be atoned for.
0: Do you ever feel like all of our holidays have been just overtaken by meaningless crap? (laughs) I feel like all the, these, these things in the old Testament are just like beautiful markers that we have completely forgotten. Not that we're supposed to follow the law, but like, that's just, that's powerful. Like if we all did that, there's just
1: (laughs) (laughs) like who actually celebrates president's day. Exactly. (laughs) What does that even mean? Yeah. (laughs) I'm like,
0: that's just, that, that moved me. That was really cool.
1: Wow. I'm glad. Praise God. Honestly. Hmm. Okay. So the first way to pray through fasting is repentance. Mm -hmm. Next grief. Not on a cheery note here, are we? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have experienced anything so terrible in your life that you felt like you needed to do something in your body to process it. Um, I have, unfortunately, and fasting has helped. Mm -hmm. And it's something that people in the scriptures do. David's told that his son is going to be killed for his sins, and he mourns. A part of his mourning would have been fasting, Um, And that's a, that's a process that actually helps you like process your grief Mm -hmm. so that you can move on rather than bottle up your emotions.
0: For sure. I I could totally see how that could Mm -hmm. help, you know? I mean, I feel like there's been things that I've done that weren't fasting that have helped with grief. And yes, so I'm, I'm like, I only say that not to like discredit this, but just like, there's also like, there's a lot of ways to help with this. And this is just another good avenue.
1: Very good. Yeah. It's not the only like if you can't process grief unless you fast, that's a lie.
0: Yeah. Right? I was just like reading, I'm like, wow, I feel like rather than to suppress or bottle up my emotions, like there are, you know, you could take silence and solitude and just sit with those emotions yeah. and or journal or pray or there's a lot of ways, but
1: mm, see a therapist. Um
0: see a therapist, honestly. Yeah. Um, all the ways that the Lord's given us. But yeah. I could see how fasting would connect you with those emotions Mm -hmm. deeply.
1: It's like a way for your body to grieve because it feels this visceral pain. um, And that can help connect with your emotions. I've also heard it said that fasting can help you empathetically connect with the grief of God. Hmm. Because the Lord grieves more than we do about the pain and the sin in the world. And... Sometimes maybe you find yourself thinking, "Wow, this situation in Ukraine, for example. Yeah, we've heard about it for almost a year now, Mm -hmm. and it's been devastating. But I'm just kind of numb to it. Mm -hmm. Like I don't don't even feel bad, and that makes me feel bad that I don't feel bad. Like I, I should. I mean, thanks for
0: admitting that. Like I I mean, mean? I feel
1: the same way too. But like (laughs) it's just like that's a hard thing to admit. You get numb to it. Mm Hmm. Um, Yeah. Throughout church history, fasting has been a way to empower our body to grieve physically. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. Hmm. So that's that's the second point. Yeah. third point is um, in times of severe crisis, a whole group of people will fast together. So like the famous prayer of Jehoshaphat. (laughs) <laughs> I don't actually know how famous it is. Do you, have you heard of this prayer? Before? No, I haven't. Okay, great. I've heard of Jehoshaphat, but I haven't yeah. heard of his prayer. And you've probably heard of him because his name is so awesome. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 100%. Because it's, it's got fat in it. <laughs> um, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Philistines, again, they're on their way to destroy Israel. And Israel is terribly outnumbered. And Jehoshaphat sees how outnumbered they are, and he's freaked out. And he starts to pray, and he... He declares a fast throughout all of Judah um, as a way to call on the Lord for help because we're in a severe crisis. And this is where a, a famous or semi-famous Bible verse comes out of it. Jehoshaphat prays, We are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Yeah. Um. Wow. That's uh, anyway, it, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful example of in scripture in times of crisis. Another one classic, the book of Esther, when all of the Israelites again are about to be wiped out because the king is mad mm-hmm. <laughs> at them, you know, crazy times. There's various political nonsense going yeah. on there. And Esther commands all of the Hebrews to fast. And this one's intense. This is fast over. No, no food and no water for three days and three nights. Wow. Which is about as long as you can survive mm-hmm. without water, right? without water. Yeah. Like you, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to know if people died in this fast as a result of that. Wow. I hope not. I I would, I'm going to lean on no. We'll lean on no.
0: <laughs> Just because of God. Because God was very yeah, much in it. God was in it. Amen. That's wild though. And then uh, you also have on the list, May 26, 1940. (laughs) I I wasn't expecting that (laughs) after hearing these old Testament um, things, but this is cool. I'm the miracle of Dunkirk, like the movie.
1: Yes. You saw the movie? Yeah, the movie was incredible. I saw it it's been years now but really mm-hmm. excellent done. Mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan, I think. Christopher him? Nolan, mm-hmm. the man the myth and legend. He really I I think I'm I didn't realize to people fasted. Yeah, okay, so this is fun. So the battle was held on the 27th of May. Mm-hmm. The 26th of May, the day before it. King George of England declared a nationwide fast in England. He said, I call the whole country to fast because we're going to battle and this battle is going to be a hinge point in world war II, And we desperately need God's help. Wow. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. And so the churches across England were full Mm-hmm. and it, we call the battle Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. Throughout English history, they've called the battle the miracle of Dunkirk wow. because there were a handful of things that happened that day. I know, I feel the Holy Spirit too. That's good. That's so cool. Um, th- a handful of things happened the day of the battle that at least through the eyes of faith could have only happened because of God. Yeah. There was this huge storm that like grounded all of the German planes in a certain region in France. But at the same time that storm was happening, the English Channel was like an eerie quiet so that all of these civilian boats could come across the English Channel and pick up soldiers. Anyway, I could go yeah, on about this because no. it's so cool. I mean, it sounds biblical. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, honestly, that, like it That's sounds, so cool. It sounds like a story out of the Bible because God mm-hmm. showed up for wow. England when they fasted. That's really cool. A time of national crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. <laughs> How secular our nation has become. Right. Yeah. That no that kidding. sounds so odd to us.
0: Yeah. We didn't get the COVID fast.
1: No, what? but what good that must've done. Mm-hmm. Like, had we done that?
0: Totally. That would've yeah. been really cool. This is an interesting one to change God's mind. Yeah. Fasting to change God's mind.
1: Yeah. That's a, you could think of it as to change God's mind. Also, um, like to influence real action or change in the world. Mm -hmm. So, um, like I put down the example of when the disciples are praying for the demon possessed child and Mm -hmm. it's not working. And the father comes to Jesus and says, can you help? And Jesus immediately rebukes the demon and the demon leaves. And then Jesus says, Oh, disciples, you have little faith, yada, yada. And he says, this one can only come out through prayer and fasting. Wow. Which we're starting to run low on time. We could unpack that for a long yeah. time. I don't even know how to unpack that. But Jesus is saying something about this, this spiritual action that just took place. This mm-hmm. exorcism required fasting. Wow. So Jesus must have been fasting up to that point. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I would, I believe that uh, he must have known. Maybe he had the foresight to fast, or I don't know exactly how that flushed out. Or
0: maybe it was just the disciples, you know, hadn't had kind of left their practice of fasting or minimized it to some extent Mm. in their travels and all that's crazy. Yeah. You know, following Christ and Christ had stayed true to a ritual of fasting. Yeah. I don't know.
1: I think this point reminds me of what you said originally, like, I don't know how many minutes ago when Mm -hmm. you said you've prayed because you've heard about something terrible going on in the world and you want to fast for the sake of something. Specific. Mm -hmm. I think this is a good example of it. Like um, you're calling on the Lord to do something and fasting somehow helps. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Gives you. Yeah. That's really cool. Gives you power.
1: Yeah. Or like, yeah, yeah, I I don't know exactly how that works in the spirit. It's like it, it calls down for the power of the Lord to move in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: It's petitioning for, God to hear your plea. I don't know. I, I'm yeah. not sure if that's quite right, but.
1: And, and God cares mm-hmm. enough about our pleaing and our fasting that he will actually do something. Mm-hmm. Personally, I'm not, that. I'm not under the belief that God needs us to pray in order to do anything. Uh, and this is about to open up into a much bigger conversation, but for whatever reason, it seems like God doesn't do certain things unless prayer is involved. Or like we're invited into that process Mm -hmm. somehow. Why? I don't know. Um, I I think it's a
0: matter of he doesn't want to influence his will upon us Mm -hmm. is my belief. Yeah. And so our wills have to be aligned with what he wants to do or, you know? Yeah. It's good. I I think there's something to that, you know, it's like we have to, as a singular person as a family, a community, it's like we have to align ourselves to what the Lord wants Mm. to do. And, and I think a lot of that, I think in my belief, a lot of that comes from listening to the Lord. And so not only to fast to hear the Lord's voice, but then like fast to petition the things that we believe the Lord wants to do. Wow. Yeah. I just see that like in a practical sense.
1: That's good. It it makes me think back to also that God is just really relentlessly committed to inviting humans to be a part of what he does on the world. Mm-hmm. Prayer, but, is a, prayer is a person aspect of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. Okay. So we have four, we have repentance, grief in times of crisis to change God's mind. And then the last one is to enable us to hear God's voice more clearly. Um, an example of this from scripture is in Acts chapter 13. There's a bunch of people worshiping in Antioch. Paul is there. And while they're worshiping, they're also fasting. And then they hear a call from the Lord saying, Barnabas and Paul, you are to be sent out on mission. And so they continue to fast in preparation for the mission. And that's when Paul first goes out on his missionary journeys. Oh, wow. is that cool? That's really
0: cool. There's a lot of stuff that I don't remember about the Bible.
1: (laughs) That's okay. I'm honest. There's (laughs) countless stories in there. There's so wow. much.
0: That's really neat.
1: And it, you know, it says that they're fasting just so briefly that y- your eyes could skim over it. But yeah. And just, yeah, I think that I just, if I was more attuned to fasting,
0: I'd probably it'd just stick out in my mm-hmm. reading more. Probably. Probably go feast on the Bible looking for fasting. Wow. That's good. Bring it full circle there.
1: <laughs> uh, so these, the, the, those are the the five Ways to pray through fasting, according to John Mark Comer, <laughs> it's so good. It's great. So good. Uh,
0: the last, um, so ways to fast, right? Mm-hmm. To starve the flesh mm-hmm. and feed the spirit. To pray, and the last one is to stand in solidarity with the poor. Wow. Do you want to talk about
1: that? I I wish we had longer.
0: How much time do we have? You think?
1: I don't know, like ten, fifteen minutes. We shouldn't go too long over yeah, an hour, probably. I mean, this is a really good one. Isn't this great though? Mm-hmm. You're right. And it's it's true, pure religion, you know? I forget exactly where that comes from. That's but Jesus. That's Jesus. Isn't
0: it pure religion is taking care of the poor yes. and the widow, something like that?
1: Yeah, that that's that heart mm-hmm. is this point. Um, and I can't bring up this point without bringing up Isaiah chapter fifty eight. Mm-hmm. Um, which if you're not familiar listener is maybe one of the cooler chapters in the Bible from my, from <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, actually there's so many cool chapters, but something about this chapter just really fires me up because it's like, um, the Hebrew people had been practicing these disciplines, but they had been missing the heart of the discipline, which is the, the essence of legalism Hmm. They'd been doing all of these things, but missing the reason why they were to do them in the first place. And so Isaiah 58 is God telling Isaiah to call out the Hebrews for missing it. Um, Would it be okay if I just read it? Please do. Because it's so good. And the word of God does it better than I would (laughs) have. It says Isaiah 58 chapter or verse three is where I'll start. Why have we fasted and you see it not? That's the Israelite speaking to God. Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. That's God speaking back to the Israelites. And oppress all your workers. (laughs) So God's saying when you're fasting, you're seeking pleasure, hedonism, and you're oppressing other people. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high in such. Oh, is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself. Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sack cloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day of acceptable, a day acceptable to the Lord? And this is where it gets really great. In my opinion, God says, Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked, to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Like, isn't this amazing? Yeah. This sounds like this could have come off the word, the mouth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's very powerful. And in fact, he quotes Isaiah 61, just a few chapters later when he starts his ministry. Um, I guess it fires me up because it's connecting this ritual mm-hmm. fasting to how it should affect real change in the way that you live your life. And if you're communing with God in the form of fasting that should compel you to live life for those afflicted around you.
0: This is beautiful. And I mean, I say beautiful all the time, but (laughs) scripture is beautiful. We already (laughs) touched on that earlier. But I like, like any part of following Christ, if there is not fruit in our lives and people being changed around us, we aren't truly getting the picture. Mm. We are only doing it out of legalism or out of some self-righteous way to make ourselves feel better. Mm. Um, In my opinion, that was a little harsh. Uh, (laughs) uh, But, but if we are to fast and give up food and maybe not go out to eat one day, why not spend that money and buy someone else a meal, you know, that you see on the street, um, just on like the most practical sense, or I think in a deeper, in a deeper working of our, our hearts and our our souls, it's the more we commune with God and draw near to him through fasting and prayer, the more we are to be compelled or should be compelled to like make that change in our communities. Mm -hmm. And like, see other people thrive around us when we are thriving. Um, and I, we do miss that as a church often. It's not, that's, it's something we're constantly need to be reminded ourselves is like, look what the Lord has done for you. Now go do and like, go do likewise, you know, wow. for your neighbor, for the homeless, like literally through all of scripture, the, the mm-hmm. orphan, the widow, the alien, through the old Testament, it's over and over again. This is the cry of God. Like this mourns his heart. And often we have relegated those deeds to only nonprofits and for our $15 a month. And that's Mm -hmm. as much activity as we have in those realms when I think it is supposed to be more an everyday occurrence and a weekly occurrence and a monthly occurrence to interact and bring those people I don't know, justice mm. and all the things that we need as humans. I don't, I don't know. Like that's, wow. it's huge. It's a huge part of it. And so, like I said, with like the grief and the repentance and all these things about fasting, it's like, well, yeah, this, this seems like such a powerful uh, practice of drawing near to God and purifying ourselves this big sense that this would be an outcome and a fruit
1: of fasting. I love it. That makes us look more like Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just picturing what our city might look like, Imagineering with the Lord right now. What would it look like if once a week we fasted as Christians and the day that we fast, we set aside the money or the food that we would have consumed that day and bought or prepared a meal for someone that we know is hungry mm-hmm. or that doesn't have enough and allowed that fasting to then lead to generosity. And then that day while you're fasting, you could be praying for that person or those people that need the food. Mm-hmm. Um, I think how holistic would a discipline like that be? Like We're uplifting one another in prayer, in physical needs, in love and hospitality. That feels like the hand of Jesus. Absolutely. Hmm. And I think that's the, the heart of this discipline. Um, again, it, the heart maybe is threefold, to starve the flesh, feed the spirit, to pray. And then this is certainly, certainly right there. This
0: is huge. And, and to not go too far down a, a, a larger rabbit hole, but the world of, of food is so fallen, And so to abstain from consumption for a day is to abstain from unhealthy foods and foods that are um, disproportionately subsidized by the government that don't help anyone, you know, (laughs) and it's to to maybe give one less like have one poorly paid worker, you know, Mm -hmm. make one less thing, you know, in his day, you know, just like to ease the load of consumption and consumerism on the the people at the bottom of the the food chain to wow. to put it you know themed that way but <laughs> yeah. like there's just we don't realize the impact of all that we huh. um yeah do and consume and just to even to pause and reflect on that and even maybe research that a little bit of how um messed up that can all be and how it might be disproportionately affecting, you know, people that are, that are the poor, that are the workers, Mm. that are the man, the migrant workers that work in the fields here, you know, to, to, to relieve them of three onions picked, you know, like honestly it's like (laughs) Uh -uh. if if that's, it's systemic, if, if we all did this as a church body Um, and then even more change comes out of that once we're all more aware of that too. So I think there's there's a lot in this stand with solidarity, stand in solidarity with the poor.
1: That's fascinating.
0: Not only just feeding the homeless, but just bringing awareness to what we consume mm-hmm. and why we consume and how much and where we're getting it from. And yeah, there's a lot there.
1: It reminds me of the time when Jesus runs into the temple all frustrated and flips tables. That Classic holy anger moment. Mm-hmm. Because there were ritual practices that were happening at the temple that... I think at the surface weren't bad. Mm -hmm. You know, people were purchasing animals so that they could go fulfill the law and sacrifice those animals. But the way that the money changing was happening was inherently inflating prices so that the religious elite could make money off of the poor. Mm -hmm. Um, So it
0: wasn't even the selling of the things at the temple. It was the fact that it was taking advantage of people.
1: It was taking advantage of people Mm -hmm. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Nonetheless. Yeah. Like in the name of, yeah, the Lord Mm -hmm. and the, the work of the temple and the, in the name of the law of Moses, in the name of the Holy temple Mm -hmm. where the presence of God is meant to dwell like that. That's so backwards that of course, Jesus is going to flip those tables, you know? And of course, Isaiah is going to rail on the religious elite here in Isaiah chapter 58. And i I'm glad you brought it to our lives because I think we should figure out, golly, where, where do we need to be convicted by the things that we do in the name of good things or that look good on the surface, um, but might be overlooking or even systemically oppressing the afflicted in our world, mm-hmm. whether they're people that are right here in our treasure valley or they're people who are across the world in a sweatshop or oh, yeah. something like that. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. That's a, Mm -hmm. that's a massive thing. We should do a whole podcast, podcast on that sometime. Yeah,
1: honestly. Oh, this is good. I think uh, maybe one more point I want to make on that to stand in solidarity with the poor is at least for myself, I speak from a very privileged position. Mm -hmm. I have never had to skip a meal because I didn't have the means to eat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I realize I'm saying that a lot lately. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have friends who are not so privileged, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially having lived in the developing world in a few different countries. I have friends that praise God for the gift of one meal a day. Sometimes other times they go all day without eating and they're not fasting as a discipline. They're fasting because they have no food. Um, oh, and how I can rid myself in some ways of the numbness of my privilege taking a day without food and remembering there are, are countless people on our planet right now that go days with empty tummies mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. deserve my prayer Absolutely. and they deserve my solidarity and my presence in one form or another. Um, and that's, that's a holy thing. I think it helps us as privileged middle-class or upper-class people f- remember what the affliction of the world might kind of look like in just a glimmer.
0: Absolutely. That's a very good point.
1: Yeah. Again, this whole conversation on fasting is kind of somber. So sorry, (laughs) listener, if you feel at all heavy (laughs) by the end of this, but I think it's, it's good because it's the reality and it flushes out some of that already, not yet of the kingdom of God that we talked about last week. Um, and i think it's fun when i was reading the didache and they were talking about what days to fast one thing that was really important to them is that they never fasted um for their 24 hour fasts at least on sabbath or on sunday Hmm. sabbath is saturday yeah sunday is the lord's day because it was when he was resurrected and when we look to the new resurrection of all things and the fulfilling of the kingdom of god Those days are not fast days. Those are feast days. Those are days when the church parties, they celebrate, <laughs> they they invite the outcast into their home and they break bread and they play music and they laugh together. And like they they set down their tools from heavy labor and enjoy the kingdom of God. That's that's also in a weekly ritual. Um, so I, I we're going to do more work on that next week. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I want to make sure that you, listener of this podcast, recognize that this fasting discipline is not not proper unless it's observed with the other side that is the feasting discipline. At least as long as we're on this earth. And once the kingdom of God has come in its fulfillment, then we won't have to worry about fasting anymore because we won't have flesh to worry about and we won't have the poor to be in solidarity with, and we won't have, oh, you know, crisis, national crisis to fast about. Um, and those are days that we, we look to in hope as Christians. Mm -hmm. Praise God.
0: Praise God. Mm -hmm.
1: Wow. This is good. Yeah. This is a good talk. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. I guess another last note, if you find yourself as someone who just can't bring yourself to fast for one reason or another. I want to remind you, this is all invitational. Mm -hmm. This is not forced upon you for any reason, not even by the Bible or the Lord, not a commandment, not a commandment, especially if you're someone who has experienced any kind of, um, eating disorder or food insecurity. Uh, we don't want to fan the flames of difficult things that exist in your life already. And again, if that's you, um, don't hesitate to reach out to one of our pastors. We would love to pastor you through that situation. Um, but if, if you are a listener of this podcast and you maybe haven't explored fasting as a spiritual discipline and you don't have one of those reasons to push pause on it, try it out yeah. and let us know how it goes. Totally. I'd really be curious to hear. I like what
0: Benji said at the end, because this, this can, this can play this. uh, What am I trying to say? This is, this can coexist with feasting too, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so whether, I mean, you know, we're for these 21 days as a church or, are trying to have communion every night and those kinds of things. But if you wanted to fast during the day, or if even you felt like the Lord wanted you to fast this week, it's like, that's, the, our twenty-one day feast is not a commandment either, and so <laughs> if you feel like a lot of conviction to try this, like please try it. And even I love what Benji said about the two days of fasting, two days of feasting that were kind of in the regular rhythm of the early church. That's beautiful. Like yeah. within all this, and it's we we don't want to um, pigeonhole ourselves into any one thing. So if you've been wanting to try sabbath on saturdays and rest and Mm. enjoy all that labor has brought you that week before like do that too you know yeah um yeah like you said there's no pressure there's no pressure at all but feel freedom
1: it's just no pressure but freedom yeah it's a symphony Mm -hmm. you're invited in to celebrate i don't know if you like symphonies are you a big classical music fan i am i do enjoy it oh good but mostly like movie scores,
0: so, like, not as, like, classical, but... <laughs> that's fair. Mm-hmm. But I like, like a good movie score. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> that
1: was a quick turn at the end. No, it was good.
0: I, I cried mm-hmm. when I saw my first, like, live symphony. Wow, it, did the you? The Boise Philharmonic. Oh, that's
1: beautiful. They opened
0: with the Raiders March from, Laura, from uh, Indiana Jones, <laughs> and I cried. It was so wow. beautiful. Wow, the gift really cool. of music. Thanks, mm-hmm.
1: Jesus, for that. I know. It's good stuff. I cried... In London, I was so privileged to see Les Mis. Not a symphony, a musical with orchestral music, and Mm -hmm. it was moving, I'll tell you. It's an unreal story. (laughs) Oh my goodness. About forgiveness and
0: redemption and.
1: It's a holy story. Yeah. We should do a podcast just on that. sometime. Right.
0: Sounds good. We should just, we do sing it around the office sometimes. <laughs> I will be honest. One day more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, So until that one day, friends, <laughs> thanks wow, for tuning in. Good tie-in. That was great. <laughs> we love you. Thanks for listening. Uh, the Deep Waters podcast is something that we record because we want to glorify God in everything that we do and provide content to hash out stuff that our church is going through. So hopefully this has helped you hash out what fasting is and could look like in your life. And if you have any questions or comments, or if you'd want to figure out what it looks like to get plugged in at Riverhouse, feel free to reach out to us at deepwaters at I always think it's org. Mm -hmm. It's com. Please reach out. It's not biz. I miss you. It's not gov. I miss you. All right. (laughs) Thanks, friends. Love you guys. Bye.